to episode number 10. I'm Mark. I'm Ray. This week, we had an opportunity to catch up with Elijah Bisbee. And Elijah, he actually left his full-time job and went out and is supporting his family solely doing music, creating actually ambient music. And he referred to Brian Eno quite a bit. Are you an ambient music fan? Yeah, I listen to ambient music a lot. I put it on in the office a lot. I, I got a, a subscription to Slacker Radio. It used to be AOL Radio. Now it's actually called something else, powered by whatever. And I, I put on the ambient channels on there all the time. And I used to listen on the Amazon. I'd put up artists like Duder. Uh, he's a guy out of, I think, Germany, and he's got a bunch of stuff out there. I found some great songs. There's one by the the Juan McLean, it's called Deviant Device. This is like, it's like a 10 minute song and it's like the coolest little background piece ever. And then, yeah, you mentioned Brian Eno. Eno, uh, you know, Brian Eno's known for doing some stuff with pop stars. He did uh, stuff with U2, like if you listen to the beginning of Where the Streets Have No Name, or you listen to he co-wrote Heroes by David Bowie. So, you know, he's got a lot of connections to pop music, but he's also, you know, put out a bunch of stuff himself. His album, Apollo, Atmospheres and Soundtracks, mm. is a staple of mine. And there's one song, An Ending, Ascent, that NASA actually used in videos of like, I think I think it was landing on the moon videos or something like that. And it's just really great stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been listening. It's Soma FM and they, they have a bunch of channels that are ambient as well. And I use it a lot when I'm working. I think we've had this discussion before where you know, I really don't want a lot of lyrics because once mm -hmm. I do, all of a sudden I'm paying attention to the lyrics. Or if I do something like a Spotify or one of these other channels where it kind of serves up some songs, me as you know the DJ, I want to go back and start rearranging the songs and, and the order of them. <laughs> and then if I put Pandora on, which I don't know if anybody's really on that anymore, I kind of like, well, the computer algorithm is all off. I just I just kind of like the ambient too and I was really enthralled with the conversation because you know not every day does somebody go ahead and leave their nine to five job to go out and search very similar to the discussion we had with Mark Afsek a while ago where you kind of hit a point of your career where you want to do a shift now Mark started with the passion of going after music and then later went corporate now, Elijah started down the corporate path and then shifted gears to go into music so I saw a similarity there, and then also just creating this wallpaper music, as Elijah discussed, that he's doing a lot to not only create this unique music, but then he's finding other creative ways to support himself as a musical artist, which we get into the conversation. So really it was interesting to hear someone that's devoting their life to creating something where they, they want to leave a legacy of their own musical style. Sounds like great stuff. I'm a little envious. Sometimes I want to do that. Just you know, pull up my keyboard, quit everything, and go uh, go write music like that. Sounds like a dream come true in a lot of ways. Yeah, and we kind of got into discussion about that, but it's definitely interesting if you are a musician or just somebody who's creative and you're looking to follow your passion. You know, listen to this conversation because Elijah really gets into it. We'll flip it over to Elijah, and thanks for joining us this week on TunesMate. All right, well, welcome to Tunes Mate. I've got Elijah Bisbee with us today to talk about his music and his career and creativity. How you doing, Elijah? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, you you are welcome. Yeah, so I you know I recently listened to your new LP, Dear George. Cool. And yeah, yeah it, 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 just like it said, it was meditative. It was emotional. <laughs> it was focusing. <laughs> 
And I, you know, I think I sent you a message and I was like, I got really emotional at just listening to it. It really, really hit exactly the vibe you were, were surfacing. So could you just give us some background about yourself as a musical artist, how you got involved in music and some of the direction that you're going toward? Because to me, it was just fascinating to see your music evolve and then just listen to this last you know, LP that you put together. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, as much I'm as you kidding. want. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Yeah, so I grew up in a pretty musical family, but was actually really resistant to doing like the whole family band thing, you know? One of my favorite stories actually is when I was very little, out of probably like six or eight, my parents got me like a quarter sized guitar um, for Christmas. And I cried because I didn't, I like didn't want to be a part of that at all. I mean, I guess a six-year-old wouldn't have really known that. But, but then completely took a huge 180 later in life. And of course, now music is essentially completely my life, other than family and stuff like that. So, yeah, I went from being pretty resistant to it as a kid to then growing up. Um, a big part of my music upbringing was in church, so I was pretty involved with that scene and um kind of learning how to interact with bandmates in that context mm -hmm. arranging songs that already existed rather than writing my own that that was that was a big part of like my early years as a musician but then started some bands started realizing that writing music felt a lot better than just playing other people's music and so really dove into writing music mostly on guitar I, I would even now i would say guitar is my main instrument even though i've been releasing a bunch of piano based music which is still kind of funny to me that people who are just now being introduced to me probably think that i'm a piano player but i'm really a guitar player uh, so that's just that's just funny to me i think um but yeah um like I said, was in a few local bands, did that whole thing, learned how to keep myself accountable for the sake of other people, not like not letting other people down if if we were working on something and just that work ethic that comes along with music. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's obviously a creative aspect of it, of course, but I, I think I'm thankful and I feel like I'm lucky that I learned the whole accountability piece and, and acknowledged that early on because as you know, you know, through the years, so to speak, I've, I've really leaned on that aspect of being a musician of like, it takes work, right? Like there's the 10,000 hour rule for like anything that you want to be an expert in. Mm -hmm. And, and instead of this instant gratification of, I, I want to start playing violin why am I not amazing at violin the second time I play it, you know, and then un just understanding the amount of time it takes to become not even proficient, but just okay at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't mean to go so deep, I guess, on the whole like work ethic part of it, like I'm some crazy, you know, amazing work horse or something like that. I don't, I don't feel that way, but there's this very clear understanding, at least in my mind that, if you want something to happen, you, you have to work for it. And so all of that to say, you fast forward through like all these other bands and all these other kind of important musical moments. A few years ago, I quit my job 
not because I hated it. I actually didn't. I, I loved my job. I love still a lot of the people that, or I shouldn't say a lot, like I'm uh, leaving some people out, but like love the company, love the people, but just felt like looking into the future. Like I wasn't sure there was no like sense of certainty that I'd be proud of what I would be doing in 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, wasn't, wasn't sure that it would be fulfilling and I, and I wasn't sure that I would be proud to like show my kids what I had, uh, essentially devoted my life to if I stayed on the same trajectory. And, and really that's, that's not to say that working a nine to five job or, or working a corporate job is bad. You know, for me, it just, it, it wasn't, there wasn't a way that I could see that I would be excited to tell my kids about what I did, you know what I, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, two, two years ago, a little over two years ago, I left that job and became a full-time musician and have learned a lot since then, <laughs> both from a life lesson perspective and from a just general like music perspective self-producing, self-engineering. I, I knew how to do some of that stuff before, but when it becomes your job and your the content that you're creating, you know, there's the adage of you're only as good as the last piece of blank that you have released. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, like you're only as good as the last song you've released or you're only as good as your last project or whatever. And so realizing that and realizing that I needed to be kind of in this lean startup mentality, like I couldn't just go to a studio every time I had like a simple idea that I wanted to hash out. So I had to learn a lot of that stuff or at least get better at it. So a pivotal month for me with that was when I did a project called Song X Day where I started getting some, I like asked for supporters and said, Whoever, like in this group of people who are supporting me, you will get uh, a song that I will write, record, and release all in the same day. And it was just exclusive to those to those people. And so that, you know, earlier I was talking about accountability. That provided a huge amount of accountability. Yeah. And and also kept me from keeping any idea too preciously or like holding it too dearly. I think that's super easy to do in, in anything that we feel passionate about. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be anything in the arts. Like it could totally be like a project at work. If you're, if you've invested a bunch of time in it and you want it to be perfect before anyone hears it, it could be, it could be never right. Like you could just never think that it's good enough. So the song X day project really helped me pair some of that back Mm-hmm. And just be okay with whatever that day, that that day's creation ended up being. And so I'll kind of fast forward through, through some of this all, uh, other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've released, since, since then, I've released a few EPs, a couple singles. I guess you could say two LPs. This one, Dear George, came out in October on my son's first birthday, actually, October 17th. And then last year I released a seven song, I think you could probably call it an LP called Wander. And then interspersed through there, I've released, yeah, like I said, a couple singles, couple, couple EPs and done some other, um, like collaboration work with, uh, people in this same kind of genre. 
And so, yeah, it's been, it's been fun, man. I mean, of course, anytime you can do something sustainably that, uh, you're passionate about, it'd be silly not to say that it's fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard, you know, especially I, I'm also, a, since my son was born, I'm a full-time dad. So I stay home and take care of him. And so of course that's made it slightly more challenging to just like sit down and put in the work, but right. it's also helped me appreciate the times that I do have to sit down and put in the work. So I feel like become a little bit more efficient with that of just understanding that I don't have hours upon hours to work. I kind of have to get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, you know, with, with him, uh, with dear George and having this like new muse, so to speak, and, and having him be a part of the process. I, I mean, both literally and emotionally and, and things like that has been something that I, that I became pretty proud of. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot that I just shared in, in about 10 <laughs> minutes, but happy to dive into any of it. If you have any questions about that or. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. That's just fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I think that gives inspiration to a lot of people that may be in that same boat where they feel like there could be another calling creatively and they want to go in that direction. And there's a couple things I heard you mention. First of all, everyone thinks you're a piano player, but you're a guitar player, which is interesting. <laughs> and, and then also there's this whole mantra that's out there now that if you want to survive as a musician, you need to tour. And there's you know a lot of bands are out there doing a lot of that to monetize and fulfill their life. How are you? So a couple questions. One on the guitar front, (laughs) since you're using the, I guess, piano as a way to direct your musical creativity, how do you feel about the direction you're going to go with your future music? Is that going to change? And then also when it comes to supporting, you know, your career, how are you you doing that for others to even understand how to sustain themselves if they want to become a full-time musician? Yeah, those are some great questions and I'll, I'll try and hit on all of those as best I can, but feel free to be my conversational bumpers, if you will, sure. uh, getting off track. But so the whole guitar first piano thing, uh, I say that joke, it's really just like an inside joke with myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, that does, doesn't actually matter to, <laughs> to anyone else, but I, I've played guitar for, 20 years probably and I've only seriously played piano for maybe like three but I think what piano brings out for me even still now is this I don't know sense of um, like working with the instrument not that I'm some phenomenal guitar player but if I want to do something on guitar I can I can most times pick up a a guitar and do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not like a metal thrasher or anything like that. So I'm not going to be doing like sweet picking or something like that. But if I hear a melody or if I like have an idea, I can basically after playing guitar for 20 years, right? Like this is not meant to be a bragging thing. It's like I've put in the time. Uh, I can essentially pick up the guitar and do it. When it comes to piano though, it's, it's still like this, um, it's not a fight, but there's this deeper sense of collaboration with the instrument. I randomly just remembered this uh, quote or like article I read from Jack White, who I'm not the biggest Jack White fan, but he said that he loves playing trashy guitars because it feels like 
he's having to put in more work and like kind of coaxing the guitar to do what he wants it to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I actually love that. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's something to be said to have like just complete control over your instrument and like ha- and sh- showcasing that expertise. But the thing I appreciate about that, that thought, it's so funny that I'm talking about Jack White right now. Like, I don't even <laughs> really like him, but I like some of his music, whatever. Sorry, Jack, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I don't, I don't hate you. <laughs> that's a, that's a joke. But, um, anyway, so yeah, I, I love that because it just feels, it feels more, I want to say childlike, but it's like, it's nice to feel kind of like an amateur with it because it feels like each note takes more work. So it kind of produces this more like, sense of pride, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about piano, just to get off of this, so I don't keep rambling about it is that I, about a year and a half ago, I, my mom gave me the piano that was in my childhood home. Like when I was growing up and, um, having that piece in my house, like I'm sitting looking at it right now next to my studio desk. And so just having this piece of, history that I can write on. And it was actually my grandfather's. So it's like, it's been in the family for a, a really long time. And just having that connection mm-hmm. has also, well, immediately it made me want to write more music on piano. But even now I'll sit there with my son and, and have him bang on the keys and stuff like that. And so that, that feels really special. So if I'm kind of following my emotions with how I'm writing and what I'm feeling, it tends to be just uh, a little bit more piano of a season as far as life goes. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, if it's right there in front of you and it has such sentimental value, I it's a source of inspiration, I could imagine. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, remembering being a kid and just like pounding away at it and not knowing what I was doing. And, or, <laughs> or, yeah, so just really, really cool to be able to write music on that. As far as your other questions, I'm going to kind of try and, summarize it in saying Mm -hmm. it's like how do how do i make money not touring and how do i how do i plan on supporting myself in the future is it fair to kind of summarize sure yeah no that's pretty good yeah so you you mentioned tour and that's how that's how some artists make their living and that's hard man like that that is it's such a grind i've done some touring in past bands Mm -hmm. and uh, we always took the perspective of we're touring because we want to, we're not touring because we think we're going to make money doing this. And that landscape mm. has changed a lot over, over the years, I guess, just in general, not that I'm a, an authority on this at all, but like local, local music in some cities works super well. And people who come to shows will buy a record or will buy a t-shirt or will buy whatever. And I think bands understand that they need to have more interesting things to purchase rather than just like a CD or, or, you know, whatever, especially with streaming and all that now. So that's, that's been kind of cool to see bands come up with different pieces of like different things to sell. I Mm -hmm. think that's really smart, but that's because like, a ven- if you're a smaller band and you're playing these like bars or different venues, um, you're probably not going to be walking away with a lot more money than what you need for gas and or a place to stay that night. So like, to, yeah, touring, unless you're 
a big band or at least can draw like a decent crowd in whatever cities you're touring in it's it's a grind and uh i don't i don't know that that anyone should start on a tour thinking that they're gonna make a bunch of money so that's why i don't do that currently now uh, i mean aside from having a family and things like that <laughs> and so as far as how i make money currently there's a few different buckets that I pull from though the first one that I'll mention just to get it out of the way is a very non-musical way of making money and that's running a few Airbnbs actually um, it's a pretty lightweight way to make money and it enables me to to make money in a way that doesn't like take away time from mm-hmm. being a musician and being a being a dad and stuff like that so so I do that and then I also have a Patreon page where people can sign up to be monthly supporters. How do they get and there? How do they get there? It's just mm-hmm. patreon.com forward slash Elijah Bisbee. Okay. I can, I can send, the, send you the link too. Perfect. But yeah, there's like a, a few, if you're not familiar with Patreon essentially, or if your li- listeners aren't familiar with it, it's a, it's a website where, I mean, I kind of already said, but it's like you can support people who are, it's mostly creatives, but it's not limited to that. But uh, so like for me, a musician, you can support me at a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever, and get some type of exclusive content um, for that backing, if you will, or for that financial support. So there's a lot of cool stuff that happens on Patreon across the board. Um, a lot of artists have really been able to be successful or at least at the very least have some um, income that they can count on every month. And like for, for me, my supporters get a, like an exclusive meditation every month that I do like a one take performance, usually on guitar or so far on guitar. And then uh, we'll record like a guided meditation over top of it. So that's something only patrons will get. Like I, I don't release that stuff publicly. The guitar so, though, it's there. That's, the guitar is there. There's your guitar. It's right. awesome. That's right. Although if someone would listen to it, they might not even think it's guitar. It's like super droney and like looped guitar. And to, if you think of like yoga music, it's like it kind of sounds like that. But uh, it fits the meditation and things like that. So yeah, Patreon's great. Like it's I couldn't. It's it seems weird to say like I couldn't suggest it high enough. I'm not saying come and support me with all your money. What I mean is if you are a someone who is looking to start making some perpetual income doing some type of creative work or something that's kind of outside of what you might be doing from a nine to five job. Patreon is a great way to see, like to get supporters, but then to also see what your supporters will respond to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. if you, if you're ask if you're saying like, I'll give you blank, blank, blank and no one cares. It's like, okay, well I'm not going to waste my time doing that and maybe i should start thinking about adjusting what i think people are going to spend money on you know and of course not everything is about about money but if you're trying to get supporters it kind of is about money so patreon has been great and then as far as i'll just talk about like one more bucket from a finances perspective like supporting myself streaming is a big part of that and so uh, streaming on Spotify, streaming on Apple Music. As a as an artist, like I get royalties every time something's streamed, 
and every platform has their different rate and it all depends if you're a signed artist or an independent artist or if you own the full master like since i do all my own recording and i have like i'm my own publisher and things like mm-hmm. that i other than a few few things that i've released through labels i keep 100 percent of that which is great but but yeah streaming streaming's big and when you have platforms like Spotify and or Apple Music, it's not weird to get 25,000 people to listen to your songs twice a month or 100,000 people to listen to your songs. It, it's, I, I don't mean to say that it's not hard and it doesn't take some luck. It for sure does, absolutely. But, but like anything, you find ways to like just make small steps towards those yeah. goals. and. And even if you make $50 a month from that, or even if you make $15 a month from mm-hmm. that, it's like you're still seeing some positive income. So yeah, streaming's big for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you've been able to master those buckets. But you went. You said something earlier I found interesting, and we were talking about meditation and, and music. And if you were to you know, classify it or give someone an imagination of – what they would be able to tap into if they were to listen to your music. How would you summarize it? I mean, I know it kicked off about your new album, but I didn't know if that's how you felt about your collective catalog or how people can merge that into their lives because we're all looking for something that will, at least for me, who's a music lover, I'm always looking for something that is going to match the mood I'm in that day. So just curious to see, you know, how you think about your music and how, if we were to introduce that to others, how would they jump in? Yeah, it's a, it's a great and difficult question for any artist, I think. Um, but there's, there's two things that I'll respond with. One, Brian Eno, who has been an extremely successful and extremely, he's, he's left a big mark on the music industry as a whole. I mean, he's produced some of the most famous records of all time, um, but he also has his own music that is more ambient and he's very successful in that realm too. He coined this phrase called wallpaper music and he essentially what he was saying is for his ambient music, he was like, it doesn't need to be the center of attention. It doesn't need to draw away from whatever someone's already doing. It's mm-hmm. just there to supplement the setting. Uh, and I and I've always loved that, and I think my music now is is closer to that. It's it's not so ambient that it doesn't draw attention, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that idea of it just simply some simply supplementing what someone's already doing, whether it's working and they need something that's going to help them be a little bit more productive or focus, or maybe they're. Um, sitting and reading a book or something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I love listening to music if I'm reading something, but if there are lyrics, sometimes it, it makes me read slower. Right. So, so there's that. And so this like idea that has stuck with me for a long time, um, for myself, which is very similar to Brian Eno, which is unsurprising is just that I feel like my, what I'm most passionate about when it comes to music is, is helping people create space for themselves to feel inspired, whether that's, it kind of goes back to everything I was just saying, like whether it's inspired to like do more work, whether it's inspired um, from like an emotional standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, whatever it happens to be, if, if my music can be a part of that space building, then 
it's not that I feel like I've done my job that like just brings me like a tremendous sense of pride and like humility that someone would welcome me by way of my music into those spaces. So yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of how I would summarize it. It's just, I know I'm not talking about genres at all, but it, it's the, the purpose, like as I'm creating it, the purpose is to simply supplement someone's life and if possible, create a space for their own inspiration or their own productivity. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, if we're going to get into like the nitty gritty of genres and stuff like that, there's there's a few genres that I kind of align with that may or may not mean anything to anyone. But neoclassical is kind of like a newer-ish phrase that a lot of people align with. Compositional ambient is another one that gets flagged quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So Now, if, if there was someone out there that wanted to dive into your music, is there a starting place that you'd recommend? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, if you wanted to like hear my f- full, well, if, if we're talking about just my solo stuff, then I would love it if people started at the beginning, like with this song called December, which I released in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I think that's a good starting place. It kind of shows back then, uh, back then, you know, two years ago, um, uh, there, there's definitely parts of it that feel more amateur or like less weighty. Uh, and I think once, especially once you get through wander, uh, that I released last year and then dear George, you start to feel a lot more like not heaviness as like a sad emotion, but like <laughs> heaviness as like intentionality and in writing. And you said solo. So folks can also discover, when you were part of a band, is that what you were alluding to? Yeah, there there was another instrumental band that I was a part of around Cleveland, and that this is the band that I did some touring with called Nomads, and it's all instrumental. It's full band, so like drums, bass, guitar. We have piano and some other instruments in there too. And that there's a lot of stuff there that I'm super proud of, and I think people would hear some similarities between that and my solo stuff. But yeah, that's called Nomads. Great. And I know I want to be respectful on time, is there anything else that you're working on or coming up we should expect? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, first, I'm always working on new solo stuff. That's just a perpetual, it's impossible for me to, to not be working on that. <laughs> so the, I'm sure I'll be releasing nothing else in 2019, but I'll be releasing, releasing some new stuff in 2020, 2020, which is just a crazy thought that next year is 2020. Yes. Um, but I also have a few other projects, one of which is a departure from this instrumental stuff. It has vocals. It's actually like five of us, and we all sing, and we all play multiple instruments, and that's called Wilderness. And uh, we're finishing up some writing for our first EP that we'll be releasing probably early, mid-2020. Uh, and I'm really that's been really fun because for a while I missed – the band setting and co-writing with people and singing. And I, I love harmonies. So with five of us that sing, there are some like pretty intense harmonies at Amazing. different times. And, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And we'll start playing, we'll do shows and stuff like that too, around the Cleveland area. I'm sure. Awesome. Well, if you haven't checked out Elijah's music, you definitely should. It is very supplemental. And I think 
it led me to some inspiration. So I appreciate you jumping on and we will provide all the information so you can check out Elijah Bisbee's music. And thanks for being on TunesMate. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Those were super kind words and I appreciate you having me on. It was fun. Take care. You too.